This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing, how are we doing? And welcome to episode 122, episode 122 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy Chi. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a delightful weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with a bunch of great, fantastic, super duper podcasts like Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, The Marky P Show, Those Girls You Know, Eat the Damn Cake, Drinks After Work, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, Burnt Toast. Let's be clear with Kayla. It's always something with JD and Big Night Breaks. And I also work over at Big Night Live, new concert venue that opened up in 2019, Halloween night of 2019. We've been closed longer than we've been open. We have some shows on sale for the fall. It's going to be a really cool experience to see the concert industry come back stronger than ever. So go to Ticketmaster, type in Big Night Live, find some concerts that you like to go to. Come on down. Hope to see you down there really, really soon. So... I am recording this right after the Hornets game. So super frustrating. Didn't really like it. Pretty pissed off. Kind of frustrated. I actually shut off the game early. And I ne- that's just something I never do. That just shows how angry I am. So let's just blow through the week. We'll do uh, our Eastern Conference standings watch. We'll talk about some turnovers, the stud and dud of the week. And then we'll preview the four games that the Celtics have this week, including the game against the Portland Trailblazers, which is going to be an important game, if you ask me. And luckily, the Celtics have every single game this week at home. Four games, great opportunity for them to do that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So this week was obviously a weird week for the Boston Celtics. It was a good week in some beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy way, but also a brutal week. Uh, First off, Jalen Brown was out for most of the week with uh, a shoulder injury. He only played in I think one of the games, yeah, he didn't play against the Bulls, and he didn't play against the Suns, he didn't play against the Nets, and he played against the Hornets, and, you know, dropped 20 points, was definitely rusty to start. Uh, Kemba, he missed two games, one game for illness, the other second night of a back-to-back. Thank God there's only two or three more back-to-backs left. Ugh, gross. Uh, And then the Time Lord, he's still out. And I'm really concerned about it. Like, they're just saying it was left knee soreness, and left knee soreness is day-to-day. I mean, they talked about earlier in the year Jalen Brown, who has knee tendonitis, that when he's out to day-to-day, he literally only misses a game. This has been like a whole week, if not more than a week, for Robert Williams, a.k.a. the Time Lord, and it's very, very concerning. And he could have been used this week for sure, especially in that loss to the Bulls. They lost 102-96, to which this is a game that could bite them down the road. Like the Hornets game, the Hornets are a playoff team, I get that, but the Bulls game, they're they're not a playoff team, and I understand there was no Jalen, I understand there was no uh, Kemba Walker, you know, the list goes on, but, 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 but Tatum got one of the ugliest triple-doubles ever. 
your first of his career, but he shot three of 17 for the game. But, you know, congratulations getting your first career triple-double. I'm sure that's cool and all. But, you know, and then they come back after two days of rest, and they beat the Phoenix Suns by 13, a good win. It was the second night of a back-to-back for the Phoenix Suns, but the Celtics were up big late. The Suns fought back. Celtics took the punch and fought back, so that was nice to see. And Chris Paul is ridiculous, one of the best point guards I've ever seen play the game. He's absolutely unbelievable. Obviously, he recently just passed Magic Magic Johnson for all-time assist, which is a big thing. And Kemba had one of his best games in a Celtics uniform. I I really and truly think that. He was so important in that game because Tatum had another off-night shooting, and Kemba stepped up without Jalen Brown on the floor. So that was huge, and I... I'm going to talk about that big game from Kemba in a little bit, but Kemba was very, very important in that game for sure. And more importantly, the Celtics actually wore their home white uniforms, folks. And they are undefeated this year when when they wear their home original white uniforms. And that is important because, listen, I have more stuff with swooshes on it, Just Do It, Nike, you name it, I got it when it comes to Nike and Jordan stuff. But Nike needs to relax with all these new jerseys because if they keep it simple, they play well. I don't think the Celtics are that good with that new crappy neon jersey, to be honest with you. But whatever, here we are. And then they lost to the Nets 109-104. That was in Brooklyn. No Jalen, no Kemba. The Nets didn't have KD or Harden. So you're like, oh, then maybe they shouldn't have lost. Uh, Jason, uh, Jason Tatum was outstanding. He dropped 38 points in that game. Marcus Smart was great too, uh, but they just cared too late to win. Oh, and Peyton Pritchard was really, really good in that game. He was fa- he was actually fantastic in that game. He was very confident with his shot. You know, some of the shots that Peyton Pritchard takes sometimes, they're a little too far away from my liking because I don't think he has that range, and obviously when he hits them, it's great. When he doesn't, you know, we go, oh, that's a stupid shot. But the reason why they lost the game is because the Nets bench is so much better than the Celtics bench. And it's like, it's not even close. Like, don't pass go, don't collect $200. And then today, the Celtics just got embarrassed on another Sunday matinee game. They just suck playing in the afternoon. I don't know if the coffee machine is broke at the hotel. I don't know what, whatever the situation may be. But the Celtics allowed 125 points today to the Charlotte Hornets. The last time they played, the Celtics allowed the Hornets to score 86 points. That's embarrassing. That's a plus 39 difference. That's absolutely ridiculous. So one of the things that I really want to focus this week is part of our brand new segment. So let's hit the new little catchy jingle. Banner Banter Podcast, Eastern Conference Standings Watch. Okay, so let's break down the Eastern Conference standings right now. Currently, the New York Knicks are the fourth seed. They are a half game up on the Atlanta Hawks. And then they are two games up on the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Currently, because the Celtics have the tiebreaker over the Miami Heat, because the Celtics beat the Miami Heat earlier this year, they are currently the sixth seed, so they are not in the play-in round. So basically, the play-in, the play-in round for the NBA is spots 7 through 10. 7 and 8 play each other, the 9 and 10 play each other. Whoever wins the 7-8 is the 7, and then whoever wins the 9-10 has to play the 8 to see if they can win that to become the eighth seed. So the whole goal and the whole situation with the way the Celtics' health is, with how tired Jason Tatum looks, the whole nine yards, you want the Celtics to be above the seventh spot. And I'm going to break this all down for you right now. And then you also have to keep track of the Charlotte Hornets as well. They're a game and a half behind uh, the Heat and the Celtics. So they're not too far off here. I mean, they're three games behind the Atlanta Hawks and they're three and a half games behind the Knicks so I don't know if they're going to catch up there so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to break down 
everything for these last 10 or 11 games between the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Celtics. All right, so bear with me. A lot of math is going to be happening right now, kind of like that Zach Galifianakis um, scene in Hangover or that GIF or whatever the case may be with all the math around, across his head. So the Celtics opponent record with 10 or 11 games left is 291 and 369. So that means their opponents have won 291 games and they've lost 369. That's a winning percentage of 43% and one of the bottom five easiest schedules left to go in the NBA. So that's a huge advantage for the Celtics. The New York Knicks opponent's winning percentage is 55%, a record of 364 and 295. That's almost completely opposite of the Celtics situation. So that is good news for the Celtics. The Knicks have won nine in a row, which is nuts. And they're not slowing down anytime soon, but they still have to play the Los Angeles Lakers. They still have to play the LA Lakers. LeBron will be back by then. They're fighting to move up into the playoffs to hopefully get home court advantage in the first round. Uh, They still have to play the Nuggets, and they still have to play the Phoenix Suns twice, including going out in the West Coast. So it's not going to be an easy thing for for the Knicks in any way, shape, or form. The Hawks, their remaining opponent record is 345 and 370. That's a winning percentage of 48. And then the Heat, their opponent's winning percentage is 47% at 311 and 344. So the Celtics are at a huge advantage there. Again, the Celtics have one of the bottom five easiest schedules left in the NBA based on their opponent, their opponent's record, so on and so forth. The Knicks have a top five, so that's a good thing. Hawks and Heat are kind of like in the middle of the road. So, <clears throat> six games versus teams with losing records for the Celtics. The Knicks have three games against teams with losing records, so that's huge. So if the, the Knicks, they currently have 11 games left, so that means eight of them are against teams with winning records, and three of them were with losing records. The Celtics, they also have, yeah, they also have 11 games, and it's six teams against losing records, five against winning. The Atlanta Hawks, they have seven games against teams with losing records, and the Heat have five games against teams with losing records. So how are the Celtics doing, or how have the Celtics done so far, I should say, against the team that they're the teams that they're playing the rest of the way? The Celtics have a record of eleven and three against the opponents that they have left this season. I'm I'm sorry, not eleven and three, ten and four. It's ten and four because they lost to the Charlotte Hornets today. So it's ten and four. So that's six games above five hundred. That's very good. The Knicks haven't played the Suns yet, but the rest of their opponent, six and six against them this year. That's a that's something we need to look out on. The Hawks, they have the 76ers twice and they have a 10 and 5 record against their opponents. So, you could argue that the Celtics still have the best record against their opponents that they have left. And the Miami Heat are 7 and 9. 7 and 9 and two of their last three games are against the Bucks and the 76ers. So, everything that I said right there screams positivity for the Celtics. Their winning percentage Against or their opponents' winning percentage the rest of the way, 43%. The Knicks, 55. Hawks, 48. The Heat, 47. The Celtics have the second most games against teams with losing records, with six. The Hawks, number one, with seven. Knicks have three, and the Heat have five. And then the Celtics have a 10 and four record against their opponents, with uh, their opponents with who they're playing left. Sorry. I'm just all over the place because I'm so angry about this game and I'm trying to be positive. And whenever I'm negative and trying to be positive, it just doesn't really work out. But the Celtics are 10-4 and four this season against the opponents that they have remaining. The Knicks are 6-6 six and six, and they still haven't played the Suns, who they play twice, one of the best teams in the NBA. The Hawks are 10-5 and five, and the Heat are 7-9 and, and they're two out of their last three games are against the Bucks and the 76ers. 
all of that right there is good news for the Celtics. It really is. So, yes, the Bulls' loss sucked. Yes, the Hornets' loss sucked. But if the Celtics can win three out of these four home games this week, and then they go on the road and play a pretty crappy road schedule, they have a shot at moving up these standings because the Knicks don't have a very easy schedule left, and neither do the Heat and the Hawks, and the Celtics are probably about the same schedule-wise for the most part. But the other thing is, is when when you say to yourself, well, why should we be worried if the Heat have to play the Bucks and 76ers? They're probably going to be resting some guys. Not exactly. So the top three in the NBA in the Eastern Conference, the Nets have a one-game lead on the 76ers, and then the 76ers have a one-and-a-half-game lead on the Bucks. There is an opportunity here that the 76ers could fall to the three seed and have to play a Miami Heat or a Boston Celtics or a New York Knicks or an Atlanta Hawks team. I'm sure they're not worried about that in any way, shape, or form, but that's not going to be an easy out, unlike if you were, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, if they move up to the two seed and they may have to play the Charlotte Hornets or, again, the Miami Heat. So really, you want that number one seed, so you play someone like the Hornets or the Pacers or the Wizards based on the play-in. So... It's going to be very interesting. So I don't think a lot of these teams are going to be able to rest those guys. So that's why the Bucks and the 76ers playing the Heat towards the end of the season is definitely a good thing. But more importantly, the Celtics play the Miami Heat twice in a matter of three days. May 9th and May 11th. Both at TD Garden. Big, big, big important games. They, the Celtics just have to win one of those games to own the tiebreaker. Just like the Celtics only have to win one of those games or the one game left they have against the Hornets because if they win that one game left they also win that tiebreaker too they can't win the tiebreaker against the Hawks that's out the door but again only being only being a game and a half behind is a good thing I I think I'm not too like concerned because I really think the Celtics can pull this off because I I know that they're they suck and I know that they're inconsistent but I really and truly think they have an opportunity here to, to take full control of the schedule I mean your opponent's winning percentage is at 43%, 291 and 369, and you're 10 and 4 against them. So, literally, in these last 11 games, if you can go 9 and 2, 8 and 3, you got a shot because then you're asking the Knicks to beat the hot. You know, if you if the Knicks lose to the Suns twice, the Clippers once, and the Lakers once, but then they like beat the um, the Nuggets, you're you're already gaining momentum on them. And you have a shot. The last game of the season, Celtics, Knicks. It's a Sunday. It will probably be an afternoon game, like at 3.30. Pretty God, it's not the 1 o'clock game. It's 3.30, and that could make or break if the Celtics are going to be the 4th, 5th, or 6th seed. It's going to be pretty crazy. It's going to be pretty cool. But I'm telling you this right now. The Celtics have a really good opportunity here compared to everyone else that is either tied with them or that is in front of them. But there is one thing that they have to focus on, and that is turnovers. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. The turnovers for the past five games for the Boston Celtics, I'm not including the Hornets game because they only had 13, which is the best they've done in a really, really long time. But the opponents so far, uh, the Celtics so far this season have averaged 14.3 turnovers per game. Not great. Middle of the road in the NBA. Their opponents are scoring 15.3 points off of turnovers so far. So that's the average of this season so far. And I noticed in the last five games there have been a lot of dumb 
stupid turnovers. The Hornets game, they had 13 turnovers overall, nine in the first half, four in the second half, and those nine turnovers were costly because it helped the Hornets go on their run at one point. The Hornets had 11 points off turnovers, and the Celtics had a big fat goose But some of the plays just shouldn't be happening to do just do stupidity or thinking that they have to make the play, but they don't. Here's the thing. With Brad Stevens' offense, I know a lot of people hate it and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to dive down that tunnel right now. You know, there's obviously some good things about it, and there's some bad things about it for sure, but people think that nothing Brad Stevens does is good. But anyways, Brad Stevens does have a lot of actions off these plays, and there are some players on this team who think that only one thing can be done. So, you know, for example, there was a play with Aaron Neesmith in the Nets game. He caught the ball in the corner. He had a taller defender on him, and he tried to throw it over him to try and get it into the post, and he should have just swung the ball around. It was an easy turnover. Nets scored on the other end. It's just little things like that that's what could cost the Celtics down the road. Now, is Aaron Neesmith going to be playing in the playoffs? Probably not, but at this point, who the hell knows? Because who the hell knows what their, what their rotation is going to be? Because obviously, you're going to have the Time Lord. Hopefully, he's back. Tatum, Jalen, Marcus, Kemba. Then you'll have Thompson, Evan Fournier, most likely Jabari Parker, and Peyton Pritchard. So that's nine guys. I don't want to go any deeper than that in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to see Grant. I don't want to see Shemi. Like, I don't want to see Neesmith and maybe Romeo if, you know, they they need some some play for three or four minutes defensively. But the focus here is, in the last five games before this Hornets game today, the Celtics are averaging 17.6 turnovers per game, which is the second worst in the NBA in that five-game span. They're allowing 17 points off of turnovers so far, and that includes Jason Tatum, who has 19 turnovers in his last four games. The Lakers game, most turnovers of the season. The Phoenix game, the second most turnovers of the season. And the Warriors game, it was the seventh most turnovers of the season. So literally in less than one week, they literally had three games where they had top 10 highest amount of turnovers. That's terrible. Now, some teams... They beat with less than 14 turnovers, like the Bucks, the Heat, the Hawks, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers. So if this Boston Celtics team can take care of the basketball, they can do this. And here's the thing. I get that they beat the Lakers, and I get that they beat the Suns, and I get that they beat the Warriors. So maybe having high turnovers is a good thing for this team. But that isn't going to work in the playoffs, folks. You're not going to be able to, if you're playing the Milwaukee Bucks in that you know, let's just say in the first round, because you're the sixth seed and the Bucks are the three seed, which it, what it would be right now, you think you can have 21, 22, 23 turnovers against the Milwaukee Bucks? They will destroy you. They will sweep your ass. No questions asked. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Not a good look by any, by any means. So these turnovers have to stop. Like today in the Hornets game, Kemba Walker throws the inbound past Jason Tatum, and he just nonchalantly just throws it over. Terry Rozier gets it, steals it, lays it in, timeout. And people are probably pissed at Brad Stevens because, God forbid, someone says something bad about Jason Tatum. But it's just little things like that that could literally make or break a series for the for the Celtics in the playoffs. And as of right now, the Celtics don't look like a playoff team. Sure, they did two weeks ago, but this past week, losing to the Bulls, beating the Suns, losing to the Nets, losing to the Hornets... You can't have any confidence going into the four games that the Celtics have this week. You can't in any way, shape, or form. I'm sorry, you can't. And, and if you do, God bless you. God bless you. So with that being said, let's get into stud and dud of the week. Hit the music.
Okay, so your stud and dud of the week for episode 122 on the Banner Banter podcast. The stud of the week is Kemba Walker. He was absolutely terrific against the Suns. You could argue that was one of his top three, four, five, maybe even top two best games of his career in a Celtics uniform. He was absolutely fantastic. 11 of 17 from the field, 5 of 11 from three, four assists. Sure, he had four turnovers, and he dropped 32 points when Jason Tatum, for the second straight game, went 3 of 17, and they didn't have Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart went 4 of 11 from the floor. So there was really not a lot of scoring there. Now, obviously, you see you know, Aaron Neesmith, he made a couple shots, you know, and that's cute and all, but with that being said, Kemba Walker was the best player on the floor against one of the best teams in the NBA so far this season. So that's big, big news. And he was I thought he was pretty good today against the... Charlotte Hornets, to be honest with you. I mean, he went out with that injury, which was so bizarre, and I swear to God, he just had to take a shit. Like, he literally just, like, had a cramp and was like, oh, boy, this is going to end well. But he played 26 minutes. <clears throat> no, he played more than 26 minutes. Yeah, he played 29 minutes. He scored 20 points. He shot 41% from the field. He had another game of four assists. He had six rebounds. So Kemba playing well, getting into a rhythm is a really, really good thing. And the Celtics have 11 games left. And I believe he's only going to miss three of those. And one of them better be the Minnesota Timberwolves game. And here's why. So they play the Minnesota Timberwolves in a couple weeks on Saturday, May 15th. And then the next day they play the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. That's a game where you want Kemba to play the second night of a back-to-back because chances are that's for the playoffs. So that's very important right there. Then Tuesday, May 11th, you have... The Heat, and then they play the Cleveland Cavaliers. So obviously he's going to play the first one of that. Again, a very important game. And then this week, Thunder and then Hornets. Brad Stevens already said that Kemba will not be playing in the Hornets game, that he is going to play in the Thunder game, which to me, I I don't know if that's a training staff thing or Brad Stevens things, but if that's a Brad Stevens thing, that is a terrible, terrible decision on his end. But Kemba will be available for the Thunder game, the Spurs, the Trailblazers, the Magic, the Bulls, both Miami Heat games, and the New York Knicks games. You take that. You take that any day of the week. So, you know, Kemba getting into the rhythm, into the playoffs, and if he can play with the amount of effort, the leadership that he's throwing on the floor right now, like in that first in that first quarter, the Celtics today against the Hornets were getting absolutely destroyed. And Kemba helped them, just like in the third quarter, Marcus Smart helped them until that horrific decision that he tried to make getting a free throw and Miles Bridges hit that three and it was just over from there. But Kemba Walker, if he can get into a rhythm, his improvement and his health and no back-to-backs in the playoffs is so important for this team. It really and truly is. I, I, I know that sounds so cheesy and so lame and so generic, but like you really have to hammer it home. Tatum will get his. Tatum, Tatum is exhausted. Tatum needs a night off. But when are you going to give him a night off with 11 games left and you don't want to play in the play-in series? Because if you give Jason Tatum a night off and then you have to play in the play-in series where you have to play probably another two, three, maybe even four extra games, you're screwed. Tatum's going to be washed. So it's going to be very, very interesting on where they play. Because I think Tatum has to play every single game this week. He has to play against the Thunder. He has to play against the Hornets. He has to play against the Spurs. He has to play against the Trailblazers. And if you want to give him the night off against the Orlando Magic in Orlando on May 5th, fine. But that's got to be it. 
Because that would give Tatum the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth off. That's four days off, and then you play the seventh, ninth, eleventh, twelfth, fifteenth, and sixteenth. And I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but Kemba Walker is the stud this week. He was the best player for the Celtics this week. Sure, Tatum got his first career triple double. Congratulations. Sure, he dropped thirty eight points against the Nets. That's cool and all, but. Jason Tatum, in three of his last four games, has scored less than 20 points. To me, that's not very stud of the week-like. The dud of the week are the Celtics scouts. Because our draft picks, our first-round draft picks, minus Peyton Pritchard, stink. This was before the Hornets game, and I understand that all three of them in this Hornets game hit a three-pointer. Cute congratulations. Romeo Langford's defense is lovely. But he played his worst career game against the Brooklyn Nets, without a shadow of a doubt. The th- the three games that the Celtics had this week before the Hornets game, Bulls, Suns, Nets, Romeo Langford averaged a minus seven on the floor. That means the Celtics, if you want to round up, were 10 points worse when Romeo Langford was on the floor. He shot an average of 18.2%. 18.2%. This is not golf where the lowest per- the lowest score is good. 18.2%. He took an average of 3.7 shots per game and made less than 1% of them. Romeo Langford. And you wonder why these guys can't beat the Nets when you look at the Nets bench. You, you could literally go tit for tat, and the Nets are going to win every single one. And maybe Peyton Pritchard's better than Mike James, the point guard that the Nets picked up from Russia. That's about it. And then you have Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith's shot's getting there. Congratulations. He makes such horrific decisions on offense, though. Like, when he's not, if he's not shooting the ball, he shits his pants. And it's ridiculous. 10 minutes a game this week, he shot 44% from the field, an average of three points. And I get that he's not ready. He didn't have the time, enough time to get ready. I really do. But people begged for him to play, begged for him to play. And he's not there. He's, and I don't know if he'll ever get there. Sure, today he made a very nice adjustment in the corner for a three-point shot. He didn't stand there. He moved off the ball, something I've been dying for him to do, and he did it, and that's great. So maybe not a lot of the blames on Aaron Neesmith, but you look at some of the other guys, like uh, Sadiq Bey playing for the Detroit Pistons, and I understand the Pistons suck this year, but he was NBA-ready, ready to go, and he would be much better than Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith. That is a fact. And then you have number 12. And holy mother of God, he makes one shot a game and, oh my God. (sighs) Number 12, he tries to do so much on offense, but he literally just looks like a chicken with his head cut off. He averaged 28% from the field in the three games this week, 22% from three, four boards, two points. Like, listen, I know that I said I didn't want to draft Romeo Langford, and I know I said I didn't want to grant, draft Grant Williams, and I'm not saying I'm the second coming of a NBA draft scouting team by any way, shape, or form. But the Celtics scouts, minus Peyton Pritchard, stink. They really do. They get the dud of the week. And, and sure, you can say that these guys do little things that don't show up in the stat sheet. And that's fair. But the little things are literally the size of the children in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That's how little they are. No one can really see them. Sure, Brad sees them. But, like, here's the thing. So many people are like, oh, why is Brad playing Grant Williams? And why is Brad playing Shemi Ojalai? Listen, when Jalen Brown 
and Kemba Walker are not playing if Jason Tatum needs a rest. I swear to God, people think that Jason Tatum should play 48 minutes a game. They, I, I really think that. It, it will never happen. Ever. Unless it's like the NBA Finals, like Game 7. So stop. But the Celtics scouting staff, you're the dud this week. And the stud is Kemba Walker. I can't talk about the last three first-round draft picks named number 12, Aaron Neesmith, and Romeo Lankford. I can't do it anymore. It's going to give me a stroke at a young age. So the three games this week, you got the Oklahoma City Thunder coming to TD Garden on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Brad said Kemba will be playing. They gave you a hard time in March down in Oklahoma City, but the Celtics pulled it out and won. And this is just going to be one of those games. Remember, 291 and six and 291 and 369 winning percentage of 43 percent this is one of those games where you cannot play down to your competition the oklahoma city thunder have lost 13 games in a row going into monday's action and they play the philadelphia 76ers so that will probably be 14 games in a row and then they got to travel to you so guess what you better freaking win that game then you have the hornets again this time at TD Garden, second night of a back-to-back, they're traveling. The Hornets are playing the Milwaukee Bucks the night before, so they might be coming off a loss. They might not be feeling that great. you got to attack the basket more, more driving kicks. Like Usually I don't agree with what Scal says a lot, but today he was spot on. you got to drive and kick against these teams, and if you are kicking it, maybe a shot fake and attack the rim more. Like Just keep driving and kicking. Find the open shots. You will make open shots for sure. I mean, the Celtics shot over 25 free throws in this game. That's fantastic. You like I've been dying for that. And then I think the Hornets only shot like less than 15 and they still get blown out. It makes no sense. Basketball's so weird. But Tatum needs to score more than 20 points. Time Lord was definitely missed in this game cuz he could have defended PJ Washington or Mikel uh, or Mikel Bridges. Oh, I'm sorry, Miles Bridges. I don't know why I just said Mikel Bridges. Miles Bridges. He he could have defended anyone out there. That was, you know, Big man. Like, P.J. Washington playing the five for them is bad news bears, and you would rather have Time Lord covering him than Tristan Thompson. Do you get what I'm saying? And then the Celtics also have to contest every single three-point shot. Their defensive communication, I don't know if they're going to be able to get a practice in. I hope they're flying back today and they practice tomorrow, but their defensive communication has sucked these last three or four games, and it has to change. And you cannot let this Charlotte Hornets team get confident. You can't let young players get confident, and that's what they did today. And that can't happen again. And then the Spurs, Friday night, they come to TD Garden. That game's at 7.30 as well. They beat you earlier this year, and you can never take take a San Antonio Spurs Coach Coach Popovich team lightly. They beat you earlier this year. This time they don't have LaMarcus Aldridge. They're going to be in the play-in. Right now they're only a half game up on the Warriors. They're currently the ninth seed. The Warriors are the tenth seed. DeMar DeRozan, he's so damn good. He will get his. Tatum and Brown. Got to defend DeMar DeRozan. It's going to be very important. And then the Spurs have a really fun backcourt, you know. They have White and Murray and Keldon Johnson, too. And then who's not excited to see the Rudy Gay-Jabari Parker matchup off the bench? And then finally, you have the Portland Trailblazers game. That game is on Sunday, May 2nd, 7.30 p.m. Again, another game at TD Garden. Four games this week. A huge opportunity to go 4-0. and 3-1 at the absolute least. If it's 2-2, two and two, I'm going to riot. But the Trailblazers game won't be easy. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers, you barely beat on the road in Portland. The Portland Trailblazers have played well here before, for sure. you got to defend Dame. you got to defend C.J. McCollum. you got to keep Cantor off the boards and, and Nurkic as well. So it's a good matchup, and hopefully by that time we'll have a full, 
healthy Boston Celtics basketball team because Kemba won't be on the second night of a back-to-back. Hopefully the Time Lord's back, Fournier's back, hopefully for the first time this season because the Celtics have not had a full, healthy team this year at all. Zero times that it, that, that it has happened. Sorry, I, I got so excited saying that because I thought it was just such a cool little stat that I literally just had a brain seizure or something and my mouth couldn't move. But anyways, the Celtics have zero times this year have had a full, healthy team. And hopefully it can start this week. What perfect timing with 11 games to go. And you have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, no, six home games left, five road games. It's going to be nuts, folks. It's going to be nuts. I'll tell you that right now. So that's it for episode 30. Oh, my God, episode 32. What am I talking about? Episode 122 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Another podcast will be out next week. Uh, And also, if you're a NASCAR fan, go check out the Wicked Fast Podcast with yours truly and Brian Bell, Wicked Fast Podcast. If you're in a NASCAR, that's my other uh, podcast that I have. But thanks to everyone over at the Big Night Media team. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. And that's it this week. Uh, Please be safe and hope to see everyone out and about soon, being safe, having fun, enjoying life. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.